1: I,
2: somebody said to me kind of the other day this, well, I go to church, I'm fine. Well, no, you're not fine. And going to church doesn't make you, it's like walking into McDonald's and walking out as a Big Mac. No, that's, <laughs> that's not the way it works. There has to be a change in our heart and in my actions, the way I think. So if you're here, you need to really get saved. You need to really accept Jesus Christ because we're to be different. Because God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside
0: of us. Scripture tells us time and time again that it's our thinking, our attitude that God looks at first, not our actions. While there certainly is a place for doing the right thing, the Bible tells us that if we do the right thing with the wrong motive, that God isn't impressed. Pastor Mark is teaching from the book of 1 Peter, where Peter was speaking to believers who were ready to give up and go back to their previous ways of living due to the persecution they were undergoing at the time. Peter was reminding them of God's faithfulness and God's promises to them to take care of them and also the reality of heaven and the blessings that awaited them there. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 1 part two of his message, God's blessing motivates us to holy living.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons
0: living. Remember Jesus,
2: the Jewish people hated Jesus. Jesus was always around unholy people, sinners. He loved to be around them. If he came to a leopard, did Jesus do this? Untouchable. No, what did he do? Prayed for him, anointed him. So when I think of holy, here's how I think of holy. See if you agree with me. Could I hear? Thank you, thank you. That's holy. Number one, he's God. Number two, he loved to be around. Was he ever fun? How could he not laugh like crazy with those twelve apostles? Totally weirdos. Peter especially. Take the foot out, Peter. Take the foot out, Peter. He had to be fun to be around. He was encouraging me. And he didn't come with no, 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 no. He came with grace and truth. That's why you're saved today. That's why I'm saved today. Grace. So this is the perfect picture of holiness. Get that picture of holiness out of your mind. Holiness in God's character is this. No sin, no shame, perfect Well, we'll never be that. Jesus was, but we'll never be that. Here's what holiness really means. Write it down. Put it in your Bible somewhere. It's very important. Holiness means different. That's exactly what it means. Be different. It does not mean be better than somebody else because I'm holy. It means to be different. In other words, I'm set apart. My life is dedicated to God. Notice that verse said, Peter says, be holy in everything you do. So again, it's a lifestyle. It's not just this clothing we wear or our attitude. It's all of that, but it's the things that we do. It affects every part of my life. Let me read to you from Barclay. Although he lives in the world, the man who is holy must always in one sense be different from the world and separate from the world. Jesus is a perfect picture of that. When Matthew got saved, Matthew threw a party at his home. Well, who came to the home? All unbelievers. Where was Jesus? Right in the middle of them, baby. Now, he didn't get crazy. He didn't drink. He didn't do any of the things that they would normally do. He just went to be with them. He says this, be different from it, separate from it. His standards are not the world's standards, nor his conduct, the world's conduct. So I'm to live different before the way my life was before. Here's me before Christ. When I came to Christ, my lifestyle here should be different than there. Now, why would that be? When you came to Christ, who came to live inside you? Come on, tell me, who came to live inside you? The what? The what? The Holy Spirit. Not the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Why was the Holy Spirit holy? Because he's God. So I have the Holy Spirit in me. So my life should show I'm not perfect, but I should live different. The whole book of Matthew, when you get to the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, 7, it's all about being different. Not better than people, but our lifestyle is different. Let me challenge you with something this morning. Many Christians come to Christ, and that's it. It's an event. They're done. And there's no difference in their life before or after. How yeah, about, sorry, Pastor Mark, I got my stamp. I'm going to heaven. Jesus warns us about that. There must be fruit. There must be a change. Not perfection. If there was perfection, we just leave the building. Forget it. But there must be a difference. If your life and you claim that you're a Christian, I, somebody said to me kind of the other day this, well, I go to church, I'm fine. Well, no, you're not fine. And going to church doesn't make you. It's like walking into McDonald's and walking out as a Big Mac. No, that's, <laughs> that's not the way it works. There has to be a change in our heart and in my actions, the way I think. So if you're here, you need to really get saved. You need to really accept Jesus Christ because we're to be different because the God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. Now, When you think of all that, really what God is saying is this. You're my children, and I want you to be like me. And he's there to help us. We ought to be like our father. When you see kids, and we have all done this, mom or dad or whatever, you watch that kid and you go, that kid's a spitting image of his dad. Look at the way he does things and whatever, or his mom or whatever. Well, that's what God is after Look at this next statement. We glorify God simply means this. We make God look good by being like him. By being like him. Now, we're not going to be perfect, but we're going to have his character. We're going to love people. We're going to love the lost. We're going to be like him. We're going to be pure in our mind, not perfect in our mind, but pure. And our actions are going to show that we love God. Ephesians 5.1 says this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Would you turn to your neighbor right now and get your little finger out? You like to do that right into that person's face. God says, be like me. Come on. God says, be like me. Some of you down here in the front row don't have a finger on anybody, so I'm going to give the finger right here to you. Be like me. Be like, is that what God's saying? That's exactly what He's saying. He says, You're my kids. Imitate the Father. That's different than my old lifestyle. That's very different than my old lifestyle. And that's what pleases God. How can I thank you, God? There's another way. There's another way. Now, verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here, interesting word, in reverent fear. I'll get to the fear in just a moment. Now, look at the words. He's an impartial judge. What does that actually mean? He's reminding us as a Christian, when I stand before God in heaven, there's going to be an evaluation day. You know that. I'm going to be evaluated on my time, talents, money, gifts, how I did with God. And that relates to eternal rewards. I'm in heaven. It's not about my salvation. But he talks here that impartial, impartial. When God looks at you and I, he doesn't have favorites. We're all made in the image of God. Every one of us. Unbelievers as well. Now, there's a parable in Matthew called the parable of the talents. One man gets five talents. The second person gets two talents, and the third person gets one talent. Now, can you imagine on Judgment Day if the man with five talents is put up against the man with one talent? That would be unfair. This person had five times the talent of this. No, God says, I'm judging you on your one talent. That's what I gave you. How'd you do with your one? That's all. It's not about somebody else. God is not going to judge you against somebody else. Can you imagine me standing up here today and God says, I'm going to bring somebody out of the crowd and we're going to judge that person. And Pastor Mark, you're going to be against that person. And out walks Billy Graham. I'm just throwing in the towel and going home, baby. I can't. I'm not gifted like that. That's impossible. Well, He will never do that. He's impartial. Then he talks, look in that verse. He mentions again, foreigners, pilgrims. How many of you know that this world is not our final home? We're just traveling through. And that's what he's saying to those people in Turkey. Hey, you're just pilgrims. You're just moving through. Keep eternity in view, but do that with these strange words. Reverent fear. What is the fear of the Lord? Well, look in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, many people talk about the fear of the Lord as actual panic fear. I don't believe it's that, but it's a little more than just reverential awe. And when you think of that fear, there's this interesting balance that we have to come up with. So this is the definition I use. Not perfect, but this is the definition I use. The fear of the Lord is to worship, respect, and love him so much that we desire to obey him. See, some of us... You say, Pastor Mark, you're showing me how to thank God for everything. Okay, okay, I'll be obedient. I'll do what he wants me to do. I'll be different. I'll do it. Why are you doing it? Because you told me to do it. No, that's useless. God isn't interested in that at all. See, it's, it's to worship, respect, and love him so much that we desire to obey him. Now, when you think about that, there's another definition in the Bible. And this is a very interesting one of fearing God. If I really fear God, if I really respect God, look at Proverbs eight thirteen. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride. I hate arrogance. Evil behavior and perverse speech. So God tells us some things he hates. He hates people focusing on evil. Why should I be focused on evil as I'm a Christian? That's crazy. He hates that. So what happens? When I'm about maybe to sin, sometimes we go through this thinking, well, there's nobody here. I'm going to get away with this baby. Uh, No, God's all-knowing. You're not going to get away with it. Somebody else might not know it, but I'm not going to get away with it. God knows. So here it is. We don't say no to sin because we're afraid of getting caught. We say no to sin because we would displease our heavenly father. That's a whole different mindset. God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to displease you. I recognize you're holy. All that you've done for me, I absolutely want to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, Proverbs is filled with the benefits of fearing God. Look at this. The fear of the Lord leads to wisdom to prosperity, to knowledge, and to happiness. We would think almost the opposite. No, when I put God first and respect him and honor him and want to obey him and live my life different and have a mindset that follows the word of God, not something else, then I please God. And he's so thankful. He's so wonderful to us. And it's actually good for me. I have knowledge, I have prosperity, I have wisdom. God gives me the wisdom to lead a life. And I live a happy life in spite of my circumstances. Now, when you think about something, Satan knows that we're to fear God. By the way, Satan didn't fear God. Remember, he said one day to God, God, you're number one. I don't don't care for that. I want to be number one. You can be whatever you want, but I'm going to be better than you. Well, the next thing he found out that he and one-third of the angels were kicked out of heaven. God doesn't take number two. He always takes number one. Well, Satan will come to you, and he'll come to me very often. And what is the thing that causes us trouble? Here's the two things. Do we fear God, respect him enough to obey him, or do I fear man? If you're in a business deal and your boss comes in, And he says, you're going to have to fudge this over here because the auditors are coming. It's not a big deal, but you're going to have to fudge this. Well, now I have a choice. Am I going to fear my boss and my job or am I still going to fear God? What's the right thing to do? Put God first. Is it easy? No, it isn't easy because I've got kids to feed at home. I've got this to feed at home. That's the way the world works. See, Satan always brings, don't worry about God. Fear that relationship, old oh, man, you can't you're not gonna you're gonna lose your job. Now think about this. Why is America and England and Scotland and Ireland and all those countries there and then all of Europe that used to be Christian? They weren't Buddhist, they weren't Hindu, they were all Christian at one point. Why are they now, by and large, secular? You know why? The fear of man, not the fear of God anymore. They don't fear God at all. So the Church of England getting ready to make it official. Any lifestyle you want to live, join our church. You're fine with God. Just throw the Bible out. Why are they doing that? Listen, because the polls from humans say, this is what you're going to do. And the picketing, this is what you're going to do. So the Church of England is going to respond by the fear of man instead of the fear of of God. If you and I go to a church, and I'm far from perfect, you know that, every pastor here is, but can you imagine if a pastor fears what the people think more than what God says, we're in deep trouble? And that's what's happened to our world. Many of those churches say, no, not interested in that kind of stuff anymore. That's outdated. You'll see at the end, that is not outdated. That's as fresh as the day it was written. Be glad that you're in a church, and there's plenty of them in our community, that fear God instead of fearing what you think. Well, I can't really say that in the church because they're going to leave, their money's going to leave. What are we going to do? That has never, because of my dad as a pastor for 50 years, that has never crossed my mind. I'm going to put God first, whatever the cost, whatever the cost. That's the way this church is built below me right about here. When we put this building in, I took a Bible. My dad gave me. I stand on my dad's Bible. I stand on it. It's not about my dad. It's about the Bible. It's the word of God. I stand on the word of God. I'm not going to dilute it as the rest of our world is doing. So many churches you go today, you will never hear difficult sermons. You won't even hear sin talked about anymore. But God gave us all of this. Peter is right up front with all of this. Now, verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Handed down to you from your ancestors. Now remember, in those days, a slave, we were slaves to sin. We talked about that when we did our series on freedom. A slave would have to be redeemed. Somebody would have to offer money Somebody would have to pay him with gold or silver to buy the the rights of freedom from that slave. And Peter says here, you you weren't redeemed by somebody paying you money. You weren't redeemed by somebody they're good works. You can't become a Christian like that. And what he basically says there is this. Look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, that's what redeemed us. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. That's an interesting statement. God had already have a plan that Jesus would come to this earth to die for the sins of mankind before he even created man. Why? Because his foreknowledge knew that Adam and Eve would sin. So before the foundation was here, the plan was already in place. This isn't like a second thought. Oh, Adam and Eve will sin now. What am I going to do? It was before the world was created. He already had a plan. Now notice, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for our sake. We understand it today. Through him, you believe in God Who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now look at verse 21. Some of you have never done that in this service. You've never put your faith and your trust and your hope in God. I'm going to give you an opportunity. See, you can't be good enough. You can't get out of the freedom, the bondage of sin by yourself. And so the only escape came through the sacrifice of Jesus. Christ's death was the ransom paid for our spiritual deliverance. And no amount of good works can redeem you at all. Now, notice what he says. Let's go back here for a moment. Look what he says in verse 18. He redeemed you from the empty way of life, handed down to you from ancestors. Let me explain that. Most of the people we think Peter's writing to are Gentiles. Gentiles in those days are unlike like Gentiles today. Gentiles in those days were pagans. They had dead gods. And so what he says is to these people, no, you became a Christian, not because you believed what your mom and dad taught you, bow down to idols, worship idols, uh, give offerings to idols, because that will never get you salvation. He says, you came to Christ And you left an empty way of life. Let me remind you, what was your life like before you came to Christ? You had no real purpose. You had no direction. You went down, and some of you are still doing that. You're going down all kinds of roads. And Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, richest man in all the world, did everything you could ever imagine that you can't afford to do. And he did that, and every road that he went down, riches, thousand wives and concubines. Think of that. Building, education, animals, everything. Every road he went down was a... That's it. Dead end. Billy Graham calls our life before God this. Empty... Lonely, guilty, and the big one, afraid of death. If you're a Christian this morning, are you afraid of death? I am. I don't know how I'm going to die, but I'm not afraid after death because I have an inheritance absent from this body, present with the Lord. That's priceless.
0: Because I don't have any fear. Today we learned from Pastor Mark that holiness isn't only outward behavior. Anyone can do that. That's not really what God's looking for. We were taught that God is looking first for a changed heart, which will manifest itself in external, obvious changes in our behavior. It's a relief to know that the Holy Spirit is inside us to give us the ability to live His way. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about our need to be living like God wants us to and the blessings that will come to us as a result of our obedience to Him. We'll hear about the commands to obey God and to live like Him. We'll be challenged to understand what true love God's love is, how we need to implement it into our lives, in our behavior towards others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Living Life with Living Hope. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry